0: Hello and welcome to another episode of My Soccer Story. My name is Joshua Doring. Thanks for joining me as I talk to people from across the world of soccer to learn about their journey and what the sport means to them. My guest today is Charleston Battery striker Augustine Williams. Augie arrived in Charleston in 2022 after spending time with multiple other teams in the USL Championship. Our conversation covered everything from leaving Sierra Leone where he was born When he was young to move to the united states to playing for the country of his birth on the international stage and why he hopes his journey inspires others sit back relax and listen as augie williams shares his soccer story joining me today is augie williams augie thank you so much for taking the time to share some of your soccer story
1: absolutely thank you thank you for having me
0: very excited for you to be here the first question i always like to ask people is just very simply where did your soccer story begin where did you first kind of get introduced to the sport and when did you start to you know get interested in and think about potentially wanting to play and all that kind of stuff
1: i mean i think even though i was a young kid i started off in sierra leone my father um used to love the sports my uncles they were all around it um they watched it, so he used to take me to, uh, you know, watch them play. Even though I was a little kid, but I always wanted to be part of that, and uh, just to, you know, be there, just watching them. I think that's where the, you know, the love. That's where it all started from.
0: Very cool. And you mentioned obviously you were you were born in Sierra Leone, and that was one of the things I wanted to ask you about. What do you remember from your your time there and when exactly did you move to the Bay area? Can you kind of talk through your childhood experience and kind of how soccer played a role in that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was like a very young uh, kid when I left around like six, seven years old, Um, lived in Senegal for a little bit because that's where the interview was for the embassy, Uh, lived there for two years as well. Um, And obviously we came to join my, my mother who was already in the States prior to me, coming in with my father, my sister, and also my older brother. So um, it was just, you know, um, I couldn't remember much, but I just remember, you know, those uh, soccer days, you know, um, some of my uh, friends that, you know, I grew up with as well as a kid. And, you know, just, you know, going back kind of makes me understand more about, you know, some of the things I already forgot and stuff like that.
0: Did soccer kind of help you? with that transition you know any move can be really challenging especially when you're that young and not only are you moving you're moving different countries you know cultural changes how do you feel like soccer maybe helped integrate or kind of get you comfortable in different surroundings as you already talked about you know it was a huge part of kind of your foundation in Sierra Leone how did it help you as you moved forward and moved to the U.S.
1: it helped me a lot you know you know even though you know there's language barriers but you know uh, soccer is just that sports that bring everybody to, together, whether, you you know, you have different religion, belief, different, you know, ethnicity and stuff like that. So, I mean, me coming here was more of a priority, you know, for, you know, better life, better education, you know, but, you know, I've always loved soccer and I wanted to be, um, continue playing. And, you know, when I came here, you know, joined local club teams, you know, I think that kind of helped me in a way of my transition, especially moving as a young kid into into a different country, you know, helping me understand, making new friends, and you know, um, you know, I think that helped me out a lot.
0: Off of the the soccer side, what was I don't don't know how much you remember, but kind of what was that transition like when you moved to the U.S.? Are there some things you remember, kind of when you got here at the beginning, as kind of and, and like you said, you know, hopefully trying to to get a better life and reconnect with your your mom what do you kind of remember about the very beginning of your time here in the States?
1: Uh, I think it was just funny. The first thing I remember we landed in Salt Lake um, at the time and it was like extremely cold. I don't know why. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, that's when, you know, I realized that we have left, you know, uh, the country. I always knew where it was always warm, you know, even though we have raining season, but you know, when I came here um, at first, I just thought like, you know, everyone was just like, Interact with each other in terms of like you know I didn't know sometimes you could be around your neighbor and don't even know your neighbor's name and stuff like that. It's not something that was so common in Sierra. Everyone knew everyone. Everyone interacted with everyone. It's like a huge family, even if you didn't know one another. Uh, I mean, everything was different. The school system, um, you know, um, the cities, everything was just you know different. So I kind of realized that because we arrived at night and. the next morning I went out, so I was like, oh, it's a whole different, you know, environment and, and things like that. Um, but there's not much I remember. I only remember uh, as the years went by when I started visiting for national team co-ops and, uh, you know, started learning more, going to, I even went to where I was, you know, originally where I was born um, to kind of, you know, understand much better about my myself and who I really am.
0: You mentioned the national team part of this, and that's kind of what I wanted to go Next, as you're continuing in your career here in the States, you know, building, starting your pro career, was playing for Sierra, Le- Sierra Leone, representing the country of your birth, always something that was kind of in the front of your mind that you had as a goal? Or is that more kind of an opportunity that appeared sort of maybe a little bit unexpected that you, you jumped at? Kind of, were you always thinking, I want to be a, a Sierra Leone national team player?
1: No, no, I never. I didn't always think that, you know, for me, it was just, you know, having fun playing soccer. You know, I, I didn't really think about, you know, representing Sierra Leone. And, and a lot of people, you know, didn't really know it was from Sierra Leone, you know, because like I said, I came here as a as a, as a young boy. Uh, but, you know, even when I was younger at the time before I had my citizenship, they called me for the U.S. camp. But I couldn't go because they have protocols and stuff like that. But, you know, obviously speaking to guys like Ike Mar, you know, him um, just saying the feelings of, you know, representing Sierra Leone, you know, um, it's no other feeling to, to represent, you know, where you were born and, and things like that. And, and I had that experience when I got my first call up and just the way how I was, how I was integrated in the team, um, I think that, you know, helped me a lot in terms of like, you know, this is something, you know, I love. And, and I think there's no better place or country to represent than where I was born.
0: When you started having those conversations with Sierra Leone about potentially joining the team and becoming a member of the national team, what were sort of the emotions going through your mind as you started to realize that this was a possibility and, and they're talking about bringing you into camps and expressing interest? When when this kind of became real for you, what what was going through your mind?
1: You know, there was a lot of, like, emotions and, like, feelings. You know, at first I felt like, you know, they fully wouldn't accept me, um, just because, you know, like I sound differently than them. Our English now don't sound the same, you know, even our our native language, which is, which is called Creole, it's a broken English, you know, they can automatically tell when I start speaking that, you know, I I didn't grow up there, you know, so I just felt like I wouldn't be accepted in that way. Um, or they would be like, oh, he's not really, he was just born here, but he's not really from here. But I think, you know, um, Speaking to the coach about it, you know, he, um, you know, obviously players that have been there before, guys like Kai Kamara, you know, uh, they helped me a lot in terms of, you know, like just getting comfortable, you know, whatever I needed. And the conversation was like, you know, if there was anything you were uncomfortable with, you know, um, just let us know. And I think that helped me out a lot to just take that pressure off me and just do what I love naturally.
0: You're a, per- a perfect person to ask this, is which is why part of the reason I wanted to have you on is, even if it's not a, a true dual national situation for somebody, you, you just alluded to the kind of emotional challenges and some of the just the questions that come with the complicated realities of having identities in multiple places. And right, you're born in one country, you grow up in another one, you're familiar with both cultures. And soccer is probably the sport above all else where we see that with so many, you know, just across the world as a, as somebody who has gone through that process, you talked about Kai Kumar and the impact he's had. What do you feel like people who are kind of looking at it just from a fan perspective, from a national team perspective, don't understand about some of the the complicated parts of choosing a national team to represent and playing for a, a national team that, Maybe you haven't lived there from start to finish, but obviously you and so many other players are still incredibly passionate about representing the countries that you play for.
1: I mean, I think I hear this a lot. Even some of my friends, you know, when I was growing up, they were called up for the Mexican national team. They felt like I wasn't accepted at the moment because I was raised in America, you know. Um, And obviously sometimes from an opportunity standpoint, people can think that are you getting the easy pass because, you know, you live in America, you know, so that kind of helped you in a way, uh, you know, obviously to get called up or whatnot. But for me, I think it's just, um, it's, it's all part of, you know, the sport, the challenges, you know, it it wasn't easy getting in there, you know, Um, uh, obviously I needed to, you know, prove myself as well um, because I was going in there and not just going in there as in like, I'm going to have it easy. It was very, it's a whole different like type of football. Very uh, kind of physical, um, in a sense. But I mean, like, like I said, it's it, it was challenges, and I, you know, I was ready to, you know, embrace that and and just you know, give my all. You know, if the coach, you know, approve of what I'm doing, I think that was the most important thing. Just so I can prove myself and be able to, you know, um, get called up, and obviously my club team do the best I can to, you know, being relevant and, and getting called up when there's a possibility chance.
0: I have to imagine one of the other challenges is just the travel part of representing a country that is on another continent. And of course, everybody's traveling for international games and tournaments and all of that. What do you feel like doesn't get appreciated for people who don't go through that travel, especially for somebody like you, who is, you know, we're talking I don't know exactly timing, but I would assume, you know, eight, 10 hour flights just to get to a national team camp, as opposed to just being able to kind of go to the nearest airport, you know, get a one, two hour flight. And all of a sudden you're with the rest of your national team players and you're, you know, going from national team to club. What are the, some of the challenges of the the travel part of kind of having this really international career because of playing in one country and representing a country on the international stage on a different continent.
1: I think it's the worst part about I hate it with all <laughs> my passion. You know, you know, sometimes I even talk about it with some of the guys on the national team that you guys have it easy flying from Europe. You know, sometimes it's just direct flight. Some of the guys that that leave from Belgium, you know, uh, from Italy, it's a direct flight, you know, for a guy like me, either I fly from Chelsea to New York, to New York, to France and from France to Sierra Leone. And then even when I get there, it's a whole six hour time difference, you know? So now I'm not able to sleep that night, you know, um, you know, obviously I have to adapt to the time change, you know, it's not, it's not the easiest thing, you know? Um, And they understand, they understand that, Uh, but, you know, we also have a window where we have to leave at a certain time. I mean, I I wish I could leave earlier and get there and, uh, and adapt to the time, but I mean, it's, it's never been easy, but, you know, it's something I've learned to, you know, um, be professional about it and not too emotional about it. Like if I get there, you know, if I have to train the next day, I you know, I'll be able to, I can do that, whatever the coach needs from me. So the things that I can't control, which is the time change, the flights and everything, I can't control that. Um, so I just gotta be professional about it and making sure that when I'm called upon, I can put all that aside and then give the best for my country.
0: Last national team question I want to ask before we get into some of your club career. what stands out to you now that you've had some time to kind of look back on Afcon and getting to participate in that tournament? what were sort of the the highlights or the things that stand out to you about that experience?
1: I mean, I think I think it's a it's a great experience obviously in terms of like you know um, you being promoted for uh, for the things that you do, especially just being in the Afcon. Um, I understood that it was a whole different type of um, like game plan that the coach want. Uh, the system is different. You know, I'm required to play a different role than what I does, that what I do in Charleston. Um, so I just think this this is all things that I was able to understand. You know, um, my role changes. Um, I mean, I still have to be able to give you know my all, and it's it's a lot more physical than um, the league I play in. Um, so. And obviously I'm learning to understand um, new players. Sometimes new players get called. The adaptation, you don't understand them much. And I think um, that kind of play uh, sometimes an impact on me because I'm like in the box where I get my strength. Charleston 100% understands this. Sometimes I don't get that with the national team. But like I said, you know, um, my job is to be able to make sure, you know, um, the team is successful first. And, you know, if the team is successful, then, individual success can come along. Um, and I think that's that's why I try to do my best every time I have the opportunity to, to be able to represent.
0: The perfect transition into my next question. You kind of alluded to this, you know, you've played multiple teams. You've had an incredible amount of success putting the ball in the back of the net with all of them across the USL championship and have obviously taken it to a whole nother level since getting to Charleston. What do you feel like has been the key for you to just be able to come into a team, whichever one it may be, you know, you're the second youngest player to hit 50 goals in the USL championship. That that doesn't happen by accident. Clearly you've been able to just acclimate to whatever situation, whatever system you find yourself in. What, what do you think has been the reason for your ability to kind of adapt to whatever club situation you find yourself in?
1: I think first I don't see myself the way people look at me. I just see myself as a regular guy. You know, um, I came in Charleston, I told myself I have to prove myself, you know, nothing is given to me and I'm always this guy who wants to learn, you know, um, I know I'm not perfect. I always want to learn, be better at my craft. There's always, there's always room to be better at my weaknesses and stuff like that. So I think at that point where uh, I've gotten to where I always want to learn. And I think, you know, Once I got to that and and every time I think things are not going my way, I'm always trying to get feedback from the coaches, you know, Uh, and also I kind of try to analyze people's strength around me and the things that they can do and the things that they cannot do. And I use that for my advantage, you know, um, to be able to, uh, you know, get success in the the pitch or, you know, and I think that that learning perspective that I have always wanted to learn, I think that's, that's that makes me be more humble and and wanting to strive to be better every day.
0: What do you feel like you have learned picked up in particular since getting to Charleston that has kind of allowed you to explode onto a whole nother level you talked about always wanting to to learn what do you feel like you've or how do you feel like you've grown as a player since arriving in Charleston?
1: I think I've been more vocal, I've been more demanding You know, that comes naturally with my role. You know, um, my strength is in the box and it's the hardest place to score goals because you always have defenders around you. So you have to be creative. You have to, you know, move faster um, to be able to lose uh, defenders. You know, I always demand the ball, you know, in the box, whether it's from Fidel, whether it's from them crossing the ball. And I think I do that in a way so we all can have success, uh, not because I want to, be able to shine alone, but also because I know this is my strength. I'm not a 40 yard guy who can shift from, from the ball from 40 yard. You know, I would have loved to have that part of my game, but clearly <laughs> it's not. Um, so I think um, all of those, I use that, you know, to, to the betterment of myself. And, and I think that has helped me a lot to be able to have success. And I'm more confident than I am before when I make mistakes, I don't dwell on it for a long period of time. I just let it go and keep moving on to the next one. And I think that helped me out a lot, a lot.
0: I feel like it's it's maybe easy to kind of look at the striker position and just say, oh, your job is to put the ball in the back of the net. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter what team, you know, whether you're playing up top by yourself, whether you're playing with a, a strike partner, no matter what system, your your job is the same, right? You're there to score goals. Right. I feel like that's a very simplistic way to look at it though because of the other responsibilities you have on the field because of the way that your teammates as you were just talking about are going to impact the way you think what do you feel like people don't necessarily think about or understand when it comes to arriving at a team and just playing the striker position in general because it's at you know at the baseline level your job is to score goals but there's so much more than that that goes into what you're doing in those 90 minutes
1: yeah, I mean, like, a lot of people don't understand. Like you said, they just just, they just think it's to score goals. But, you know, there's times where I have to create space for the 10 underneath me, make a run, like, make four or five of those runs. I don't get the ball, you know, but I create space for them. There's times where a coach me, make that first-class first run. I'm not getting the ball. I'm not happy that I'm not getting the ball, but somebody else is getting the ball, and we all having that collective success. So I think people don't understand that, you know, it's not just about scoring goals, but at the, but just you making yourself, you know, available to be able to make the people around you, you know, be successful, whether it's holding up the ball, you know, or whether it's, uh, you know, last minute taking it down the line and, you know, being strong and things like that. I think people don't understand that. Uh, but I get it, you know, people usually think that strikers have it easier than everyone. But it's it's you have to – you cannot be – the same way, because sometimes they watch you, they said, this is what you did. You made this run. So now we got to stop him from making that run. So now you have to change what you did last game to something different so you can be able to have success. And it's 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 the hardest thing because, like, you know, for our defenders, there's not so much you can change. And also myself, I, I'm never be able to see the whole pitch. My back is always facing the opposite goal. So there's things that I have to do to be creative and make me have success. And obviously the people around me are successful as well.
0: From an off the field standpoint, I also wanted to touch on this quickly. You know, you've been with multiple teams. You've really settled in here in Charleston. What do you feel like has allowed allowed you to be able to go from team to team and to have so much success no matter where you are? Because, you know, you see it all the time where a player makes a move and for whatever reason it just doesn't work out. And I feel like a lot of times there are things just getting settled that can cause some real challenges. And it seems like you've found a way to, to navigate that pretty effectively. What, what do you feel like people don't understand about coming into a new team and how have you kind of approached that that's allowed you to have success when you've gotten to a place like Charleston?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's just like, you know, first you, you know, the plan of the coach, you know, um, you want to know what you, how you can contribute to be, to be able to be successful in the team. Obviously, the team as well. And I think everywhere I've went so far, you know, like I said earlier, um, I've always looked up myself that I have to work, I have to prove myself. You know, um, whether I I come in as the main guy, you know, or I come in as you know as a second string or whatever, I still have to prove myself because that's the only way I'm going to be able to perform in, you know day in and day out in training. And, and obviously be able to compete with uh with other people as well. Uh, I mean, I think it's that belief in myself as well. I believe in myself that it doesn't matter where I'm at, you know, my abilities, you know, if I can, you know, be on my best, I'm able to have, you know, success. You know, I came to Charleston, it was a whole different role that I had to play when I was in LA, you know, when I went to San Diego on loan and when I was in Portland as well, you know. But I think it's just, that belief in myself and, you know, doing the things that the coach asked me of uh, and obviously implementing my own ideas as well that I can say, well, maybe if I can do this, I can be successful as well. And just getting that feedback from one another, the players around me, the coaches, and and that helped me be successful all around.
0: You've been in the USL Championship for a while, multiple clubs. You've really seen this league grow and expand in so many different ways so I'm curious what has it been like for you when you think about where the league was when you first entered to where it is today from a talent standpoint from a broadcasting standpoint you know ESPN is covering is broadcasting games it really just is incredible to me how much this league has grown what has it been like for you to kind of actually get to live that and experience the growth of of the USL championship
1: Yeah, it's been an amazing journey. I think there's even, you know, rooms to, you know, for the league to grow more. And we can see that over the years to come, you know, you know, we have players coming from Europe now, you know, back then it was just players getting drafted. And, you know, if they're not rostered on the first team, come down to the second team if they were in in an MLS environment. But now there's more money being put into the league, you know, or players coming from, you know, Argentina, um, you know all over in the world to come you know play so it's it's making the league more competitive um and you know it's making everyone you know to be on their in the a game I mean like I said um the league is going to keep improving and improving um down the years but it's been an amazing journey you know for myself you know for the league itself so it's something that you know I'm looking forward to uh, and I'm also happy about
0: Final three questions I'd like to end on. The first one How do you feel like soccer, your soccer journey, your career has shaped you as a person? What kind of lessons have you learned, or just how has the sport impacted you?
1: I mean, I've learned, um, you know, that um, me, myself, it's something that, you know, I've been fortunate uh, to have. And I've been able to see that a lot of people are inspired by what I do. Um, so I think, um, I'm always trying to give my all because I don't know whoever is looking at me. You know, maybe I can be somebody who can help somebody to be able to not give up on their dreams, um, to achieve or to be like who I am or try to be like who I am. So I think that has helped me a lot. You know, I'm in an environment where I'm happy. And um, as long as I'm happy, I'm going to continue to perform and give back the energy that the team has given me. So I think that that's that's been uh, the key so far.
0: Second one, when you look back on your career, what are some moments that stand out to you, some highlights, just, you know, things when ultimately down the road, your career comes to an end that you're going to look back on as kind of some of the standout moments that you've gotten to experience?
1: I mean, I just the people who helped me along the way um, uh, in that sense, you know, when I first came in Portland, I was very nervous. You know, uh, I ask myself now, why was I so nervous? to be able to do what I love to do. Um, but I think that's all part of the growth that I was able to attain. Um, you know, I was grateful for the environment that I was. Sometimes things didn't work out the way it was supposed to work out. Uh, but in, in all, like, you know, perspective, I've been happy uh, to be able to do what I love, and I, I want to continue to grow and keep being being better because it's not easy every weekend and weekend. When defenders are giving me a hard time, but as part of my job, to keep giving them a hard time as well.
0: <laughs> That's very well said. And then final question, Augie, what does your soccer story, your journey mean to you?
1: It means a lot, especially the way I come from, you know, uh, I come from a country of seven, 8 million people. You know, this is just to tell people that it's possible. It doesn't matter where you come from, you know, it means a lot. I came here, you know, with nothing, you know, um, my mom brought us here for a reason to be successful and to be able to, you know, see myself today, you know, and be able to be proud of what I've accomplished. I think it's a story that, you know, one day people can look at and say, well, if Augustine did it, I can also do it. And that's what I strive for, that if I can do it, why cannot, why they cannot do it, you know? So it's it's absolutely possible with discipline, hard work for everybody to be able to achieve their goal. So that's, that's, that's my main my main priority to make sure that the people who want to achieve their dream that look up to me, would I would be a reason that they never give up.
0: That is a fantastic answer and a fantastic way to close it out. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your soccer story, Augie.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks again to Augie for taking the time to chat. Be sure to subscribe to My Soccer Story wherever you listen to podcasts. The video version of each My Soccer Story episode is available on the Touchline Talk YouTube channel, and there's a written version at touchlinetalk.substack.com, so check those out as well. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.